This is David Grossman, and this is the Motion Martial Arts Podcast. This is episode 11. Today I talked to my friend Kyle Braun of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. We discussed uh, some different things about his journey through martial arts and a recent self-defense situation he was in. Hey, so uh, this is David here, and I'm sitting with uh, my friend Kyle Braun, who's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, and... Kyle, if you want to introduce yourself Hello, briefly. I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. <laughs> uh, so, I actually, I don't even think I know your full history. So, originally, who did you train under, and who promoted you through each belt? Oh, man. Okay, so, I went to school at Lockhaven. Lockhaven is like a... Good wrestling program, right? Great, yeah. Great, great <laughs> um, I, I mean, I got pinned a lot in high school and stuff, but I never, you know, that was all I did. Um, I went to Lockheed and I didn't wrestle there, but, uh, this guy, my friend Tom, who was a purple belt under Sergio Souza and, uh, Sergio Souza rather, and, um, Alex Brito when, when Alliance was the Brazilian American Jiu-Jitsu Institute, which is a tremendous name, <laughs> but Tom, Tom was like a really, he was like a really solid purple belt man, and he was a, a pro fighter with a couple fights. And um, he had like wrecking balls for hands, and he was a he was a good rapper. And he had like a he had like a storefront at the main street, like next to a tattoo parlor between like a record shop. This like crazy blind DJ. That already like, sounds like the coolest. It actually, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, actually, as, as, as I think about it, was like, yeah, that was really cool. Um, but I started and, and like he he was a good rapper, but I don't. I don't like I was his only, I was his only like full time student. So yeah. like that place closed, and then for the rest of my college career, I would just we would basically sneak in the wrestling room. Um, we would like just meet and just hope the doors were open, <laughs> and eventually, and you know like if you just like act like you're supposed to be there, nobody really questions it. And yeah. then I started getting asked, and I was like, oh, this is the Lock Haven. Quick side note. That's a good strategy for just about anything in life. You, if you act like you're gonna, you, you belong there. People yeah, yeah. start accepting you. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> so I was sort of saying like, oh, this is this is the Lockheaven Jiu Jitsu Club, and then eventually I was like, oh fuck, like I could get money. They could like, if I apply for like official club status, I could get like, a budget and stuff. Yeah. And get T-shirts made or like whatever. Um, but and I had my I had my first like MMA fights, just training with Tom, and and we'd have like people come and go. Um, we had some like really we had some fake ass fighters. This is back when, this is like you know pre Facebook. It's the internet obviously was there, but like no social space, media. Yeah, yeah and yeah. kind of like two thousand three or four. Yeah, you know I I guess the five I'm sorry, but we had we had a kid in our in our college who like claimed to be a Pride veteran and a UFC veteran all this shit, <laughs> and people were like oh that, you know that sounds right. He yeah. uh, he knows the lingo. Uh, it was crazy crazy. Anyway, um, I miss I actually kind of miss those days. When you, when you never like really knew, like yeah. if, if someone was legit or not, um, until you, until you slapped hands and stuff, you know. Well, I mean, to to an extent, it's true now, but. So I think my first attempt at training jujitsu was probably two thousand and eight or two thousand nine. I didn't oh, have, wow. I didn't have a great experience though, so I trained very briefly. Okay. And if you can imagine it, I so I've probably said this before. I'm like one hundred and forty five pounds when I'm heavy. I was probably, I was still, this is like, I was in the heart of still being a touring musician. Mm. So I must have like shown up to this school at like 125 pounds, yeah, yeah. fresh off of like a run 
somewhere in Europe, probably. You've been touring Japan. <laughs> nah, Japan came later, but probably like, like Europe. You're in a cheap trick. All <laughs> yeah, <time>. yeah. <laughs> I was probably like gotten back from Europe and like bad experience and like the experience now when i look back on it is even worse because i was like man there was like dudes heel hooking me on my first day mm, you know can you, can you name names i'm not gonna name names okay. tell me off here <laughs> but uh like when i committed to doing it like i was like okay i'm gonna do it this time it was like 2011 i think mm-hmm. uh it was still at the point where like there wasn't like everybody was rolling down their mats and picking them up still right unless you were balance i think yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like i'm not going downtown so i was like, like i would never go downtown <laughs> <laughs> so i was like i was like i was like oh and bjj united was around so the same but same thing i think at that right. point he was already in jenkintown which right. is even further right. away right. i was like i'm not going to jenkintown so it was like i was like man i i sometimes i'm like i'm like man it seems like a lifetime ago where it was like i had to roll the mats down like if i went to train we had to roll the mats down we had to clean them let them dry roll them sure. back up and it's like if I went to train two to three times a day, which sometimes I would, it's like roll them down, roll them up, roll them down. I was roll. never like that. I never went through a phase where I was training two times a day. <laughs> never, ever. Yeah, well, I'm, I, some, some of it is, is what, what do you consider training? And I wasn't like doing live rolling all the time, but I was like, I was like, I was lucky enough that like I'd sometimes just get somebody to draw stuff I wanted to work on. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it would be at that point. I mean, I was, I was lucky enough that I fell into a situation where I was a year and a half into trainings, I was given the opportunity to start like helping out with kids' classes and being the opportunity of like, hey, I'm gonna teach you how to teach jujitsu. Right. You know, which not everybody gets, but some of it was that I walked into a school with somebody who was like, I'm just starting a school, I have no advanced belts, I have nobody who's open to even helping. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got, I mean, I, it's funny you say that because I, uh, I never really started teaching until I was a black belt. Um, I would like cover like here and there, but like yeah. for the most part, I never taught. Well, I got fantastic lucky too. Um, Tom, uh, what's Tom Murphy? Is his name? Um, he's in he's in Florida. He's a black belt at Gracie Baja. Um, shout out to Tom Murphy. <laughs> uh, anyway, he like I said, he was really good. And he was he was a fighter, and everything he did was very much like he was a he was a scrapper who was good at jujitsu. So like. Um, he wasn't the best, like, sport-minded grappler, um, but, you know, he would have me do things like, he'd put 16-ounce gloves on, and he'd be like, I'm just gonna try and knock your head off, like, you have yeah. to take me down and submit me, and that was, like, the best training I've, that, no better way I could have started, started training, because, like, you just, you have no choice but to trust your jiu-jitsu so much, or you get your head knocked off. So like everything I do now, I'm, I'm still thinking about, you know, can I, if I, if I, if I was getting hit, would I be all right? You know, if I could hit this person, could I, if I, you know, am I in a place where I could or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I was just watching a match the other day, and this is like not a groundbreaking thought by any stretch of imagination, but it was two guys, really good, like professional, high level, like world class guys, guys whose names you'd recognize. And they just like came together, they slapped hands, they both just like sat down. That's the new thing, man. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not that new anymore, but like I just, I just it's so it's so unsatisfying. Well, and and I get it. It's like a win's a win, and, and those guys would, would tap me with with their with their like fucking wizardry, but you know, and, and part of it probably is maybe sour grapes a little bit, but man, I just it's just it's just not that impressive. Well, the thing is, is if you 
Yeah, I, well, we're opening up a can of worms. And there's gonna somebody's gonna be somebody's, somebody's gonna be offended. But when you make something, when you change the primary focus of something to a sport, people figure out how to game the system. Sure, sure. So it's like, and man, the sub only guys are gonna hate me for saying this. I actually think sub only is worse than points, even though it is my preferred rule set because I do better in sub only because I think that I'm extremely difficult for another purple belt to submit. Sure, but. Uh, What's the value in fighting for a takedown? There, well, yeah, there isn't. So why would you do it? For sure. Yeah, no. I and mean, it's like it's like it's it makes like, perfect sense it, within that within the framework of that. Yeah, website. and and I'm not saying there's tons of problems with the point system too. There is no perfect thing. Guys game it too. Right. But like, the I, thing is, is that the sub only guys have no need to fight for a takedown. And then, in at least for my weight class. I know the other person's going to pull guard. Well, they're going to pull guard. Nobody, nobody's going to fight for a takedown, whether it's points or not points. That's not well, like take like a take um like a fight to win. Like I'm not, and I've judged that show, so you know they're adamant that even though there's no points, if I'm watching a fight where you know one guy is relentlessly going for the takedown and maybe even gets one or whatever, and that's the only thing that happens in the match, like he wins. Like, yeah, he, yeah. You know so. I mean, it's, it's, it's super, super, what's the opposite of objective? Subjective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I mean, I, I, I still feel like, I don't love the rule thing either, but, or the uh, points does have its issues, but I still think if you're, if you're going after someone and trying to submit them, like, you're going you're gonna to score points. I, I, I don't... I agree to a certain extent. To, I mean, to a large extent, well, right? Well, here's the problem. And this, again, it's, it's where jiu-jitsu is right now. And you, yeah. I know you remember this for certain, for sure, but like probably in t- 2012, what was everybody doing? Everybody was doing the Baron Bolo, right? Were they? Probably. <laughs> but like, like the thing is, is like, it's like the Baron Bolo was the thing. And I noticed personally, I sucked at shutting down the Baron Bolo back then. Mm. But I always felt that those guys would get my back when we're talking about comparable belts, so white belts and blue belts that were doing the Baron Bowl, they didn't know how to control my back, so I would escape. Oh, uh, fine. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's like, the emphasis was too much on that. Right now, the emphasis in my mind is too much on the leg lock mini game, the meta game of the leg locks. Right. So it's like, yeah, I, t- most of these guys are going to tap me with leg locks. It's not even a question. 100%. Not even a question. But like, at some point, the defense is going to catch up and then I think those guys are going to be kind of left with incomplete games and like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just a purple belt. Like, I want to have a com- as close to a complete game as possible by the time I'm a black belt. I don't want to kind of... But again, I'm not a huge competitor. If I was a huge competitor, I'd probably be singing a different song. Sure. But like, you know, it's like, I'm like, I'd rather have an all-around really good game. But what do I know? My, I, my The best thing, for me, the best thing I can do in jiu-jitsu is escape them out. I don't even know if that's a good thing to have as your your signature oh, skill. Okay. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a pretty pretty useful pretty useful skill. So, all right, going back to your your story, we can kind of just rewind. So, who actually gave you your black belt? Daniel Beliza. All right. Uh, he's a fucking wizard, and I. It's a it's a a real shame that guy's not you know bigger than he is. He's. This is a perennial, like, podium standard guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at the highest level. At, and Daniel's a dude who, you know, 
he's in his early 40s now. He's never stopped competing in the adult division. Yeah. Um, and it's just... He's just one of those guys who can just alter his density at will and just become super massive and then become <laughs> like a, a wisp of smoke. He's just, he's just so good. I once made him... I once made Daniel have to like put his hand. I was, I was, in, he was in my close guard. I made him put his hand out on the mat to like post once. <laughs> and I'm sure I've, I'm sure in the years and years I trained with him, I've, I've scored other off- offense. But that's like the only thing I can easily remember having done to him was just make make him readjust a little bit. Just so, just so fucking good. How big is he, Daniel? He's your yeah. size. Oh man. <laughs> So, uh, for, again, I, for those of you that don't know, I'm 5'6 and 140 pounds. Uh, Daniel's a little taller than you, but yeah, yeah. he's one rooster weight. Or yeah, yeah, so he's like, like, I, I, I mean, I, I could very easily, if I wanted to cut weight, make yeah. 125 pounds. Clean up my diet, do cardio, I could very easily make 125 he, pounds. You know, he, he was another instance of me getting just, like, really lucky. I was living in Harrisburg, um... And I was training at a, I was training at a, uh, I was in DODS joint. Shout out to Harrisburg PGJ and Judo. <laughs> and those guys are really awesome. And I'm the kind of person where I can only, I have like a three or four year itch that I get. Yeah. Um, where if I don't, if I don't make an active effort to like get some new looks, I just, I just changed. I just like. Stuff, train with a different group of people. Yeah. Um, you know, after 15 years, it's just boredom is my number one enemy. You know what I mean? Um, but Daniel was living in York, Pennsylvania, at the, training in this, this like really weird gym that was like a train station. And um, it sounds and, awesome, all right? It kind of, it kind of, it kind of was. That was like, that beautiful high. Uh, high, high ceilings with like molded everything, and it was just it was actually pretty cool. Um, but just like York's like best kept secret was this, um, like this Brazilian. And I I I don't know exactly what his. I mean, I'm, Daniel has one. He he's won world uh, Pan Ams, and I don't know if he's won worlds. But he's he's podium the worlds. Yeah. Uh, just again and again, he was like multi-time New York Open, uh, everything Open champion. And he had like a gym in New York with like a couple of a couple of knuckleheads who like happened to stumble in on him. Um, and a lot of those guys are black belts now. Uh, so I started like splitting my time and and just sort of started going to Daniel and uh, he gave me my my brown belt and my black belt and I got my my purple belt from Rosendo who to this day is still if you've never gone to a Rosendo DS seminar um, and I mean this with all sincerity. Go. He is the best seminar I've ever been to. He's a uh, Hoyler, right? Hoyler, Hoyler and David Adif, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is the best. There's stuff that I that Rosendo showed at uh, a seminar when I was a blue belt, you know, ten plus years ago, that I I still do. Yeah. Yeah. Just really, really good. He's another guy who's built like around my size too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I've actually never gotten to roll with him, but I, I know I've had I have me had friends who were like, yeah, he's on another level. So. At some point, you were, they call it what, SAS? I always call it SAS, but it's like SAS. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel is, is a SAS. All right. Yeah. But then you made the shift to, obviously, BGJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, just, I just fell in love with, uh, I fell in love with that gym and those people. And I mean, I love everybody I train with, but um, 
I mean, I, it started, it, honestly, it was, it was kind of mundane. I mean, it was, at first, just convenience. Yeah. You know? I was so used to driving. I mean, when I trained in, in New York and lived in Harrisburg. It was, you know, two hours at least in the car every night if I wanted to train. And that gets taxing. That gets really taxing. And yeah. You, and if you don't, like, if you're not in love with it, doing that shit will just make you hate it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I started to feel. Um, so the other thing it can't hurt but that Steve Bowers is like legitimately probably like one of the three nicest guys you'll ever meet in I, I don't life. I don't know a nicer guy yeah, yeah I, I uh, he's, he's just the best he's a saint um, but yeah that's really great and, uh, and I, I I was like oh you guys are are united that's gonna be cool I actually got paired up um, I was training at Steve's place, which is United, and I applied for that first fight to win. And I got, of course, I get matched up with with one of Jared's guys. Um, I was like, oh shit, what are the what are the <laughs> And and just and just to show what a what a, a class act he is, Steve was like, just keep training here. I I won't uh, you know I I won't tell you any secrets. And then I won't tell any of your, you know, I won't talk about it to anybody, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. Um, it was very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, Steve, Steve, I mean, the dude literally owes me nothing, right? Yeah. There, there's no need for him to 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 do anything for me. Barely knows me has always welcomed me into his gym, no question. Yeah. He's like the sort of person who, so uh, the school that, you know, I, I currently train at had had something happen to it. So it was Actually shut gone. down. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Temporarily shut down. And he straight up calls me and is like, listen, and he's like, you don't have to worry about anything. Every person from where you, you train at, you guys can come and train. Yeah. Just called me. He's like, he's like, swing by the school. Come and talk to me tomorrow if you can. If you can't, no big deal. Sure. Just swing by the next day and we'll talk. Uh, man, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm like, there. Other people kind of like extend those like, they what do they call it, the olive branch or yeah, whatever? They but they don't yeah, it. they don't actually mean it. And yeah. you're, I, I was like, this guy meant it and went out of his way. You know, sat talked to me on the phone. I think three, three or four times. You know just completely genuine I like honestly I, I I honestly can think of maybe three or four people I've ever had those in, in the jiu-jitsu world I've had those experiences with but sort of we love Steve Club yeah like like so um actually Dave Sulkin's another guy so I, I the first time I ever competed something happened and Alberta wasn't there for one of my match. My 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 instructor. Oh, so he started screaming at you. From yeah, the he did. Line. He did. He but, is so goddamn. <laughs> but 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 the thing that was for me. So so uh, is the fact that like and and I, I, we knew each other. It's not like we didn't know each other. Right. But you're both Davids. There's no need. There's he doesn't have to come and coach me. Right. And he did. And uh, he's he's definitely a for the love of the game kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, he's he's uh, he's another guy who I'm like, man, this guy has has got my back. He's my he's my favorite, maybe my favorite training partner too. Uh, he just like brings it out of me. But like, I mean, well, you know this. So uh, 
I spent a, a long period of my life as a touring musician playing in a band called Rosetta. And Rosetta, for probably its first, like, six years driving around the United States in a, a van to play shows, we lived off of the kindness of strangers. Yeah. And I, I lived off of that for so long, and then I went started traveling around the world playing music in Australia, Europe, Russia, Japan, China, Canada, and that kindness still existed, but the hospitality is better in those places than it is in the United States. It just is what it is. Um, have you been to all, all seven, when, I guess you wouldn't go to Antarctica, have you been to all six populated continents? Uh, so the band has, but I, more or less, but I haven't. I think they have been. So they did a lot of touring. I, I, I was, when, when I had my daughter, it meant that yeah. I had to kind of pull back on the touring thing, so I recorded the records with them, right. but I've limited my touring. So unless it was a shorter trip, i.e. Russia, which is like you usually go for six days, By the way, how Japan, does that, six days. I've always been curious. So you're the founding member of the band. You're the bass player. Yeah. You can't tour. Um, so somebody fills in for you. Yeah. But, uh, is there like... Is there like a, a like a agreed upon thing where you say like, look, if you guys play a show in this radius, I want to play, and I'm a goddamn fanny mountain. <laughs> so if you're not okay with that, uh, you can fuck yourself. So here's here's I mean, how, how do you guys like share? I, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm gonna step on any toes when I say this, but uh, I mean maybe, maybe so. So the band the band the band is like a family period. So I'm not gonna step on it. It's like five brothers but originally it was four brothers because we added another guy later um i think they'll all agree with this for probably the first 10 years i was the the heart and soul man i was the guy who was i'd be the guy making phone calls to people and it, it we're not even talking about making phone calls like being like hey we need to record i would be making those phone calls like hey we need this thing to happen You're looking for shows. but but it would be like me just staying in touch with other bands that i was friends with and being like dude like i would just get on the phone with a friend who lives in somewhere else or even if they live local like uh there's a band called restorations and restorations used to be jenna berlin is going into some bunch of stuff that probably most of you aren't familiar with but look up jenna berlin and restorations Are you saying gender berlin no jenna berlin so jenna Gen- jenna, jenna berlin was was restorations before they became restorations okay. like i used to just i had this crappy job at gnc that was my job when i wasn't on tour doing yeah. rosetta stuff i would just call like I'd call John Loudon, who's the singer from Restorations. We'd just talk on the phone for 45 minutes and be like, what's going on with the music you're making? What's going on with the music I'm making? Yeah. What's the tour plans? Where are you guys going? Oh, cool, you're going to Europe? How long are you going to go to Europe for? Right. Oh, what's the song you're working on? Oh, what's going on? You know, like, oh, what shows are you playing? Oh, can we get together in this date? And I'd call another friend. So my friend Brett, who now is in a band called Revocation, who's a pretty well-known metal band, he used to play in a band called The Postman Syndrome at East of the Wall. I'd get on the phone with him talk to be like oh what's going on you know uh you're a networker to a certain extent i mean it's it's like so it's, it's not even it's not even the networking because all those dudes are genuine people that i'm friends with well you're maintaining a relationship yeah yeah but like like that's the thing is that i valued i valued relationships and like i'd call people and i it, it, it's like i'd want to hear what they were doing right as much as they want to hear what i would be doing and I'd be like, like, man, I remember, so there's, it's almost the 10th year anniversary of an album we put out called Determinism Morality. What's the best Rosetta album? In my opinion. Obviously, in your opinion. Uh, the Anesthete is the best one we ever did. Okay, what is the best one that you, 
You, you don't play on all of them, right? No, I play on all of them, except for the oh, most oh, recent okay. thing that they just put out, which is... The most recent thing? Yeah, it's like a reinterpretation of the album that we played on. Oh, interesting. So it's not actually new material, it's like a reinterpretation. I didn't do anything on that, but... Oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, is it good? Yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. Uh, the Anesthete is the best thing we ever did, because we thought the band was going to break up. Oh, fine, see you. And uh, the guitar player and I just pretty much hated music for a really long time and I was like I think I think like we were at a point where like the only music we listened to were things that we hated but we thought were funny we weren't actually listening to anything that we liked because we didn't like anything anymore and it was like it was like albums that I had loved for my entire life I couldn't like listen that, to them anymore like that Ned Flanders metal like, like so like you think about it like this most people no it would be like Paul Stanley's stage banter without any music R. Shut Kelly R. Kelly that's a thing yeah, that's a thing yeah R. Kelly oh my god uh, Poison stuff that was like deliberately and very obviously bad but like the thing is is that and this happens in martial arts too yeah, and that's yeah. kind of where the connection is you know uh, we were so burnt out and like I'm like probably the average person has seen like 10 live bands in their entire life mm. I've seen thousands and thousands of bands and probably six of them were good so it was just like constantly getting barraged with terrible music and it sounded like something maybe you liked at one point right. and then you're like well this thing I liked is responsible for these 15 things I just saw that I hated so you start to feel some sort of way about this thing you used to like and then mm something that you liked that somebody was like able to pick up was it like an influence on you and then they start like saying oh you're you're, you're not original you have no original ideas you're like right. so then people are bad mouthing you and you're just you just start to become resentful and it's like you're like all i want to do is play my music yeah. for my hour and a, or an hour and a half a night and i don't want to listen to anything i just want to be left alone so it that album like we hated music weren't listening to anything the band was out of money we decided not to resign to a record label we were like we're gonna put it out for free radiohead style and see oh, cool. pay what you wish and just see what happens how'd that work out uh it worked out really well nice. uh there was some dude filming a documentary on us at the time and i myself i didn't i didn't want it to be done but i was like the other guys one really one guy really wanted it to be a done. documentary about you, your band yeah it's on amazon prime and is everything. it really yeah you can watch it on amazon I've got so you know I got a five year old daughter. We were just watching part of it the other day That's crazy. for the first time because she's just starting to understand. What's like, it called? It's just called Rosetta Audio Visual. Okay. Yeah. So, um, cool. Yeah, we were like burnout as can be, and then we lost our practice space. We bought this van that ran on vegetable oil, and there's a lot of drama with that because <laughs> somebody lied to us about it. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names, but somebody lied to us and was dishonest about it. So we lost all our money that we had. We lost our practice space. We were recording and practicing demos, recording demos and practicing in a garage with no heat, no heat in the middle of winter. Like, our fingers would start to hurt. And if we put the heat, the little space heater on, the power yeah. would trip. Oh. And then the studio we're supposed to record at, which is with a longtime friend, uh, his studio flooded, got destroyed, what's lost what's his whole your, business. What's with you and your, 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 <laughs> your spaces? Get I don't flooded. know, man. It's just bad luck. Are you Gilgamesh? So, so <laughs> everything is stacked against it. We just made the most angry, like, that album, like, you there's just so much like disgust and anger in the songs we wrote yeah. and it's like well every album brings me back to a specific time in my life but like 
that album like were just like it reminds me of this really awful time of my life and it was like the only thing that was bringing me pleasure and joy was like making this record but we also knew that this could be our last record we might never do anything again yeah and like we were like sitting down and, and like for me that record is really so matt's the guitar player at the time we didn't have eric who is now in the band we sat down and we talked a lot like i want this song to sound this way i wanted to have these ideas and like we made those sounds come to life that we were talking about it would be like things like like i want this song to sound like an unsane song i don't want it to be in this time signature i want it to have these pauses here i want it to have this weird choppy thing i want this syncopated thing here and i want like it to end kind of with like this mashuga vibe sort of thing and it was like we just like made it happen and like it was like it was like kind of like at the time it was i was like i can't believe i created anything this incredible and like we'd played very much before that like almost like we were like a jam band right there wasn't a lot of focus it was like kind of like we would get together we would jam and we would we'd take these mindless like we would just jam on something for 30 minutes or an yeah. hour and then we would cut the jams down right and then we would take the jams and we would kind of record almost like a jam you're saying jam too much yeah i know but that's what it was man it was like it was like it was like grateful dead we were like the grateful dead of metal man and i hate the grateful dead yeah but but like like that's what it was and then determinism morality was the switch to like trying to to like cut that out so the first two albums are like very much like we just cut it out yeah yeah we were like just like all over the place and then we got more focused on determinism but then like we really 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 got focused on the anesthete then the album after that is called quintessential ephemera that's the album where we added the, the, the second guitar player. Right. That album is, it sounds like a bunch of guys getting together and having fun playing music again because that's what it was. Sure. And then the last album that we did, Utopioid, is another dark piece of music because there was people, again, starting to get like a little less turned off on music and a lot more just turned off on, on life. Mm. You know, and, and no, no, it's the truth. And then, and then but it was, it's a concept album and that is another to me a really important like i'm like okay this is brilliant i love quintessential ephemera because it sounds like a band having fun and a term determinism morality sounds like a band that found its sound and the first two records for me are like uh the first record has this like young sort of like man this is this thing i've always wanted to do i always wanted to play music i thought it would be special if i got to play music one day like in philadelphia right. and then next thing you know i'm traveling the united states traveling all around the world playing music and i'm like it doesn't matter whether nobody liked it or not i'm living my dream and then the second album i was like by that point dream sucks yeah kind of to a certain extent it was a little bit more all over the place and there was a moment where i was like i don't even know if i really want to do this because it's hard getting in a van with three other guys and just traveling and eating peanut butter and jelly every day it sounds cool to me. <laughs> it sounds cool to me until i realized like yeah unless you're like van halen or something it's like you probably it probably is a pretty lean and kind of mostly boring right yeah you, you're, you're sacrificing literally 23 hours of your day so you can play music for one hour you go to all these cool places you don't see anything you go to all these cool places you make meet these incredible people and some of them like you're like this person is this like 
I, I've traveled with them for three weeks. We had this life-altering experience. And I'm never going to talk to them again. Right. But, like, this is where it parallels cool. jiu-jitsu yeah. to a certain extent, right? So yeah. you have a training partner who you drill with or you train with, you have this, but, and then they stop training. They try to change schools. Yeah. Or, like, man, you even, like, have this match with somebody at a tournament. It's like this... I don't, I don't, I don't, well, you I, do, I mean, it's, you probably, it's, it means, there's like a really, there's a real tangible result of having, like, a, a, a steady, like, dedicated training partner, because you invariably start doing things or not doing things specifically because they do or don't work against your training partner, yeah. so, like, they're, I mean, to a large extent, they're, they're responsible for your game itself, and your game itself is what determines whether or not you're successful, so... Yeah. Like so, one of the things that drew me to jujitsu more so than other martial arts was the chicks. <laughs> yeah, because there's <laughs> there's so much, so many chicks in in uh, like kind of like you know avant garde metal and jujitsu. It's For like sure. it's like impossible. Yeah. But uh, like you kind of don't need to collaborate with karate, right? I guess not. I don't know. Yeah, you kind of don't need I'll, to. I'll never, I'll never know. <laughs> but like judo and jujitsu and wrestling, you, 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 if you don't have another person, you can't. Like, there's no katas. You need another person, yeah. and the person is giving you feedback that you have to respond to. And every person's feedback is different. Nothing will ever be the same. It's right. never the same two times. Like, it doesn't matter. Even if you're some person you know, you train with thousands of times and you're like I know they're going to try to counter this move with this thing it's not the same right because you're both kind of like well I'm going to do this thing you're going to do this thing and I know you're anticipating it yeah there's just like there's like and that's where stagnation happens I mean I, uh, it just occurred to me today I was training with Steve and he just he knows exactly what I'm going to do so it's like it doesn't be, it becomes like a thing of like well can I just like hurry up and do it real fast before he takes on <laughs> And it makes for some. I mean, it definitely can make for not like not as productive training, you know, because you just stalemate. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, you have to sort of intent. You have to have an intention of like, okay, well, I I like to flop to my back and, and use a knee shield and and you know grabbing side collar and threaten loop chokes and. Then, I catch you standing up too hard, I, I sweep you, or, you know, <laughs> and you've seen it a million times, so, and that's my, that's my best, my most, not my best, whatever, but my most productive stuff, but on him it doesn't work, so it's hard to, you, because you want to, you want to hone, if something's dangerous, you want to make it really fucking lethal, yeah, or, or, or just have an intention of, well, I'm going to work something that I don't really work, well, well this is this is the hard but I don't want to do that because I just want to have fun and I don't want to do shit that I want to do well that's like kind of the hard question yeah because it's like I don't, you mentioned you would train two times a day and sometimes you would just drill I, I can't tell you the last time I drill I drill well that's the thing I don't I, I don't have time to do that anymore and I miss it to a certain extent but at the same time my relationship with jujitsu is bizarre I feel like because mm-hmm. I was kind of in a situation where I started teaching very early and I was teaching very basic things right. and only being allowed to teach things, which is great. That's how you should do it if you're teaching as a blue belt. You should right. be, somebody should say, you can only teach these things and you cannot teach anything else. Don't teach anything else. But I kind of never had an opportunity to sort of like be like, this is my thing. I'm only going to worry about me. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I missed that opportunity. And now I, with life being what it is, it's like borderline impossible for me to focus only on me. And then the other factor is, and I feel this way a lot, against the average person who is a brown or black belt, if because of my some of my size, some of the size stuff, but if if it's not technical, there's no like power or speed or strength to overcome my technique, like like the, the lack of technique or whatever. Or you're not that small, you're, you're not that small, David. Yeah, I mean they're smaller, but I, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You it usually so so. Like, I, I I take I take being a massive massive like a uh, like the lie of a man for <laughs> <laughs> like, like 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 that's the thing it's like it's like uh, I mean so uh, if I were to uh, if I'm just thinking through my head of guys that are legitimately my size or smaller mm-hmm. there's Bren and Christian are the two people that come to mind yeah I can't think of any other other people that I can think of in the, in the area there's guys that compete that's smaller than me but they're cutting down I'm what not really cutting down what are their children yeah yeah so it's like it's like there, there's there's guys but yeah. like no like, I, I know I was gonna say like, like that that last fight to win uh, that guy took on uh, how come I Kevin Dantzler he wanted to do it at 135 I'm like why are we doing it at 135 you don't weigh 135 pounds you're heavier than me. Why? Why? Why should we cut this extra weight? Mm-hmm. If I just work out and eat right, I'm going to make 135 pounds just from doing I, the right thing. You know, man. I honestly, I think that for a lot of people, the weight cut is is part of it. I, it's, I think it's I think it's a masochistic bend. Like I think I think <laughs> most people, if they were being really honest with themselves, everyone knows cutting weight's not good, and if everyone just agreed to, you know, eat healthy and be hydrated and just compete at your at your weight things would be better but I, I really do think that like part of part of like the mystique of like the experience is like the weight cut because yeah, I, I think some people get a thrill out of people going hey what's wrong with you man you don't, you don't <laughs> and they go yeah I just uh, yeah I'm cutting weight <laughs> dot 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 awaiting the invariable oh what are you cutting weight for yeah, uh, yeah no big deal I uh I have a fight <laughs> oh what kind of fight oh you know so fucking fill in the blank, but so so this is a question. You just opened up this door for this. with themselves. Well, I'm sorry. You just opened the door for this. Is a jujitsu match a fight? No, of course not. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. And I I'm gonna make a claim that I actually have no idea if it's true or not. But it's my it's my belief that people started calling grappling matches fights because of like a mistranslation from Portuguese. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, is 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 and some maybe somebody can tell me, but I always thought I always like to believe that um, was it Luda Luda Lute or Luda? I think so, yeah. right? I, I think that means like a struggle, like of some kind. Like, yeah, they, maybe they don't differentiate between a grappling match or a boxing match, which is clearly a fight. But you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, clearly. Clearly, grappling is not a fucking fight. <laughs> now, if you want to say like. There are formats that sort of blur it, like fight to win, because you can get slammed in your fucking like yeah, your yeah. head, but you know you can get picked up and slammed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes it that makes it more of a fight. But I think honestly, I think the problem is nerds. The problem is nerds who uh, wanted to be MMA fighters 
and they were probably pretty good at grappling. <laughs> and they got kicked in the face, and they were like, "Oh, I, I can't. I have no. I want no part of that." But they're in love with, they're in love with the idea of being a fighter. Yeah. Like, who's not in love with the idea of being a fighter? But, and if you can just squint your eyes a little bit and go, "Well, a grappling match is like, kind of a fight." Calm fights. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I waver on it because how can you? What? No, no. This is where I say I waver on it because okay. I I go to a, I'm at a jujitsu school where we put gloves on, regularly punch each other in well, the face. Well, that's not a grappling match. Yeah, yeah, it, but, but it's not. But but my point is is that, uh, I think that probably if you started training before, I don't know, maybe two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. I think everybody had training with kind of this idea of challenge matches and fights or being an MMA fighter and this idea of like pre you're talking about like pre actually it's not pre Ultimate Fighter but it might might even be earlier earlier than that yeah Ultimate Fighter so actually because my join name on the underground forum on MMA.tv is the same year as uh, that's when I started training and it's the year the Ultimate Fighter came out so that's like my (laughs) I'm like I, I, I started I had been training for like a month or two before the Ultimate Fighter came out, um, so I can honestly say that I'm not one of those guys. So, like, I think you made an interesting point earlier, and I think it comes back to this idea of whether it's a fight or not. So, uh, I, I, I think, again, the problem right now, I think, more than anything, is that everybody is too hyper-focused on the competitive jiu-jitsu and forgetting about the getting-punched-in-the-face jiu-jitsu or MMA fighting, or whatever you want to think of it, you know? But uh, the points guys are so focused on, like, tying people up with their lapels and doing all this stuff that's, like, if you did that in real life, you'd get soccer kicked in the face or you'd sure. get elbowed in the face if you done. And then the, the sub-only guys are so focused on either just leg locks, which if you've looked at MMA fights, what happens to most guys that are leg lock heavy? They win. A couple times and they start getting pounded in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get pounded in the face, right? Yeah, because it, it your, doesn't work. Your name's not Ken Shamrock. <laughs> or or Paul, Paul Harris. But even Paul Harris got knocked out a few times going for leg locks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got knocked out a few times going for leg locks. Or they stall. Oh, Belcher punished him for going yeah, for, yeah. Uh, for leg locks. Yeah, and I think Dan Henderson. That was, it had to have been this, the, the most solid like pre-fight prep because he just was like, he was ready for everything he had. Yeah. And everyone was like, how's he going to deal with it? How's he going to deal with it? And just dealt with everything. Uh, that was so impressive. I think Dan Henderson knocked him out going for a heel hook, too. I didn't even know Henderson fought Paul Harris. Yeah, he did. Paul Harris. <laughs> uh, That's crazy. But, like, or you have the sub-only guys that either are super leg lock heavy or they're doing, like, an EBI-style rules thing and they just stall out until they're given yeah. the back or, or the arm bar. So it's like both sides have removed themselves so far away from what in my opinion, kind of made jiu-jitsu cool. And, I mean, to be honest, more people do jiu-jitsu as a result, and it's more popular because of the fact that you don't think somebody's going to walk in and challenge you to a fight in the well, middle of class. But <laughs> but training like that so is a little bit this, more fight-based. If we had this conversation a week ago, I'd have said, who fucking cares? Like, I don't care about fighting. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a civilized man. I don't... The idea of, like getting into a fight is I just don't think it's ever gonna happen so yeah, and yeah. I enjoy I enjoy so much more the sport 
part of the game. Yeah. Because I'm, I like to be creative and that's where you get creative. Yeah. Um, but after this thing that happened, I was, you know, the reaction was like largely, largely positive, you know, like people were like, yeah, talking about my, my restraint and, but as soon as somebody mentioned, somebody said, you know, you, you stood there and, and let someone like get six inches away from you and spit in your face and, and throw three punches at you before you defend yourself. You didn't handle this as well as you thought you did. And I was like, oh, that's actually a legit point. It is a legitimate point. But now I'm at, now I'm clocked in and I'm at work and I'm, and I'm, I'm surrounded by customers and employees. And I'm being filmed. So I had I had every reason to be. Exactly. show as much restraint as humanly possible. Plus, I didn't want to... I don't mean... I don't want to... I, I mostly felt bad for him. So, I didn't want to, like, necessarily, you know, throw... throw blow, come to the throw well, blows. I, 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 I could be wrong, but it looked like you, you were also bigger than him. Yeah. Which sure. is also, also matters, too. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, like... And, and he was a to short, me, chubby little fuck. To me. <laughs> so, I guess... I, well, we need to kind of give a little bit of background so people know what we're talking about. But then... I also, I don't think you did anything wrong. And I also think that all these people that are saying that you could have handled it better. Well, okay, let me know how you handle it when you're in that situation. You tell me how you handled it better. Yeah. It, 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 everything is always easier when you're looking from the outside. But sure. uh, so Kyle at work got into a physical altercation with an employee. No. Not an employee, a customer, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, spit in his face. Not even, not even a customer. Yeah, yeah. If you, if all you do is steal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. He, so he spit in your face once or twice, right? And then three, three times. And sucker punched you two or three times, too. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think... I think So we work on that stuff. That That is what we teach as our... We're teaching like Elio right. Gracie's textbook as our basic stuff. Right. So like how how do you close the distance? How do you manage the distance? Right. All the stuff that he does well, in the master text. But like the thing is, is like, again, so I believe that there's value in training all that stuff. I think right. it's good to train all that stuff. Right. But when the pressure of real life comes into play, everything is always easier said than done. Right. And it's like also like, yeah, there's people around, there's cameras around, you're at work. And the reality of the world we live in is, is like if... If he spits in your face and you punch him right when he spits in your face, you're probably fired in a lawsuit. And it's a, it's a different video that's going around. Exactly. Yeah. And and it it, it it the whole story changes. And part of it is 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 the problem of social media. But like, you know, it's it's also like, yeah. all all these all these people are, are well, that are saying uh, you you, you didn't do ask. as well as you you think you did. Well, right. They when they're in their 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 self-defense situation or whatever let me let's see how they well, the do the thing that like drove me crazy and and it's like it's whatever it's it's, it's social media but a lot of, a lot of a lot of people are saying that like because the idea of, i mean to me what makes jujitsu such an attractive means of, of self-defense not that i'm a self-defense expert but what's so attractive about it is you decide how violent you want it to be yeah you know you as soon as you lay your hands on someone who's not trained, I mean, their life is in your hands. You just, they have no idea what to do. Yeah. I mean, they're like, it's a stupid cliche, but they're like, they're in the ocean and you're a shark. Like there's nothing they can do to you except get lucky. Um, so I, my point was none of us were in any danger, right? Even though we were having like a, like a fight, like a physical altercation. Um, 
and I got a lot of like, you're an idiot. Like you got punched in the face. Like clearly, <laughs> clearly you were in danger. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like I put my hands on him because he was a danger. I put my hands on him and now he's no longer dangerous. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm safe too. I mean, for the most part, like he, he bit me and stuff, but that's because I wasn't willing to beat his face in when he was like face down on the ground. Well, uh, so I think I have a, for me, I know, like, again, I think you handled it perfectly. But for me, and this this is my personal opinion, and it's relating to me because of my own physical size, and I don't do not believe that without jujitsu, yeah. I'd be able to handle myself in a fight. Oh, totally. Uh, me neither. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, way, yeah. I'm way bigger than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, 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 you know, like, like, the thing is, is, like, to a certain extent, if you and him are just are two unskilled guys throwing sloppy haymakers... There's a higher he, chance he that you got hurt. Yeah, there, but there's a higher chance that you might connect with a haymaker that might actually hurt him. I'm not going to connect with a haymaker that's probably going to do the same damage. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I I, I would have had the restraint to not put up a throw on a submission. I think I probably would have thrown on a Kimura. I definitely thought about it. You know, and and I'm I, again. I think it's easier said than done. But like the main thing that you want to think about, in my opinion, for whatever that's worth, is how physically hurt was anybody i mean i got bit that was the worst thing exactly yeah. so to me that's 100 percent successful as a right. self-defense situation again it's easy to be like like I, I say things like i believe in things that piss people off when i say it i'm like hey i i personally don't think it's a good idea for anybody to go out in public and get drunk i think that's a terrible set. Are you, what are you victim blaming david <laughs> <laughs> exactly but like i think that's a, i don't think that's a wise 100%, decision no. i don't yeah, think that's a wise honest. decision you know, and it, it's but kids kids shouldn't drink to excess <laughs> when they're they're like yeah you know? you know it's dangerous like but it, it's easier said than done you know people people that's a part of growing well, up people you know, make that decisions yeah exactly like I mean I think that's part of of being free is being free to make decisions that could that could harm you you know yeah like well. I, the world isn't a nice place. We but don't wish it was. Yeah, but. I mean, yeah, true. But like I'm saying, like we're so we're so picky about what we let kill us. Yeah. Like no, I don't think there's any like. What's it? What's a dangerous thing? Uh, I don't know. Driving, like. Well, t- the, tons of tons of thousands of people you die driving. You know, what's actually a dangerous thing in the grand scheme of things? Jiu-jitsu is actually kind of a dangerous oh, thing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, these motherfuckers who act like doing jiu-jitsu is like drinking tea and doing yoga. They haven't been doing it very long. Like it's it's. Me, if you're lucky, I think it's as bad as it is good for you. Yeah. And I think if you're unlucky, it's just like slowly deleterious. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, when I get, I tore my my fucking my my ligament, my knee. Obviously, I was butthurt about it. Yeah. But I tell you what, man. Like when I started training again, I was like, oh, that's right. That's what it feels like to hurt everywhere all the time. Yeah. So like tie your shoes and go fuck my fingers hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely it's I mean it's I wouldn't I'll never stop and I wouldn't trade even a second of it, but yeah, it's not that good for you. Yeah. From a certain perspective. From another perspective it's it's the best thing for you. If yeah. that's if that's your thing. Well, I mean I definitely think outside of music and and my kid, it's definitely the best things for me, but I go back and forth about it. I think, I mean, because I, I look at I look at all the people I know that have done it longer than me, and it's like everybody has something wrong with them physically. 
but aren't they also awesome? Yeah, exactly. It makes you better. Well, it can definitely. Can. Yeah, it can make you. better. That's another cliche that drives. Yeah, me it can. It can. It can make you a really effective bully too. Yeah, <laughs> it can. Uh, we gotta start to wrap it up. So, I don't know what you want to kind of start to close this on, but I think one thing that I, I kind of am intrigued by, is from conversations we've had in the past, is this idea of you. You said that like seeing professional wrestling is kind of what got you into grappling. Yeah, it got me into into like quote unquote manly stuff. <laughs> And, I, and it's like weird so I, as I mentioned I worked at GNC mm-hmm. when I was in college and I first started touring I would have these weird conversations with other men mm-hmm. and like probably a lot of like really not very self-assured men yeah but but like the thing is is like the thing is is, is they don't necessarily present that way especially at that age right you know and like this idea of masculinity being tied to the size of your muscles Right, <laughs> it's something that stuck out for me all the time, and I'm like, oh now, man, hundred percent. Like now, now, now that I'm obviously way, way deep into jujitsu, you know, I have to this day, I have a little bit of an irrational fear of being small. Yeah, you know, just because I was raised on Hulk Hogan and <laughs> 20, 22 inch pythons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's. You know, it's it's another unrealistic and sort of, uh, what's the word? It's a construct. Yeah. You know? I mean, some of the most dangerous human beings I know are not particularly, are not particularly physically imposing looking. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Daniel is, you know, he's a, he looks like a, a handsome, skinny Brazilian guy. <laughs> he will rip your fucking head off. He'll rip your head off if you're really good at jujitsu. Yeah, you know. Um, so, and that's I think that's part of the beauty of it. Like, if you have any illusions about what makes you tough or what makes you imposing or whatever, um, jujitsu is is a really good way to shed yourself open. Because um, I I love tapping bodybuilders. It, I I get a I get a rush out. I love cops, but I love tapping them too. I just <laughs> it just it just gives me a a very a very particular sort of intrinsic satisfaction and uh if you i think if you're and i can't speak for women obviously but i think if you're a man and you've got some sort of dysphoria thing happening um or dysmorphia rather uh come train and you'll like figure out what's real awesome yeah i think that's a good uh note to wrap it up on and uh we're gonna do this again soon hopefully yeah, absolutely maybe next time we can uh have have Dave Sulkin sit down. Oh, uh, for sure we do. <laughs> Dave Square. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thank you.